<laughs> it would be a wolf, but I. Well, 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 wouldn't you know, Wolves beat Villa. Shame on all of you who left at the 80th minute mark. Welcome to today's episode of the Wolves Fancast, part of the 90 Min Podcast Network. Joining me to discuss Wolves' box office win. I'm trying to think of other words to describe it. I've got Gully and Blake with me. Guys, how are we feeling? We're recording Sunday night. We've had a, we've had 24 hours to digest the game, recover from hangovers. How are we both feeling before we get right into the meat of it all? As weird as that game was, you can never complain about a 90th minute winner, can you? So, I mean, to be there was just, it was special as, as in many ways, terrible as that game was. So, no complaints from me. It was fantastic. Yeah, I feel like I'm going to need the process of talking the whole game through with you guys just because I haven't quite settled on my, yeah, I haven't quite settled on my, proper emotion yet of how i mean unbelievable to win that game ridiculous like can't make any sense of it i don't know what i'm going to do for gta this week but yeah there's a lot to dissect there's a lot to get stuck into i think i think we said we said before we started um we well i pressed the big red record button on this like we want to be we're probably gonna be overwhelming positive because we've got the win and you know they dug in but there's also quite a few things in there that weren't quite right as well. So I'm just going to start us off by saying, listeners and viewers as well on YouTube, hello everyone. Um, that we were we're just going to try and break down the game as we always do. And you know what? We've had 24 hours to digest it, so some some of us have kind of gone from being a little bit annoyed just after the game in a way to being happy about it. And some of us have had a chance to reflect on how I definitely have and kind of getting past that euphoria but guys we'll do what we usually do we'll kind of roll it back to before kickoff and talk starting lineup and i guess it was one which we didn't really know was happening in a way um i just assumed that it would be the standard formation three four three and well it wasn't jimenez was dropped to the bench then donga came in we had Wang and Troy up front. Guys, what were your initial impressions of the uh, of the starting lineup? Were you a bit sort of taken aback, or did it sort of just make sense when you kind of realised some of the reasons behind it, particularly with um, Jimenez? You know, sorry, go ahead, Blake. Go ahead. Yeah, sure. Uh, you know, it was interesting because I think with Jimenez dropped, it kind of made sense. Um, and I think that if Jimenez wasn't out of the lineup, we definitely wouldn't have played this 3-5-2. Um, but yeah, it was sort of out of nowhere. And don't get me wrong, I totally get dropping Jimenez. I mean, he had just played very, very shortly before this game and it was in you know a whole other continent. So I- I'm certainly not blaming anybody for that. But yeah, it was just sort of strange to go back to that old-fashioned 3-5-2 that we sort of did under Nuno for so long ago. And yeah, I mean, with Trinso out, it made sense to bring Traore back on, and we'll talk about him, I'm sure, um, 
over the next couple of hours. But yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think um, the, the one thing that stood out to me, because obviously Trincao's out um, with, with um, testing positive for COVID. And you, you, I think we said before the international break that our bench was looking strong. It was looking sharp, um, particularly with the likes of Bolly back. And then all of a sudden I'll sort of pull it back up again. The, the bench, we've got two goalkeepers on the bench and we've got Luke Kundal on the bench, which don't get me wrong, I think he's got a, a lot of uh, lot of potential um as Kundal, but it kind of all of a sudden shows we are like two players away from having a bit of a threadbare squad, even if it is an iron man bench now, which seems quite a lot personally. Um but yeah, I I, I looked at it and when I saw Troy away at front, I, I did get a little bit wincy. Um yeah. for want of a better word. I I, I don't know <laughs> It's clear that the thought process was that Jimenez wasn't going to be fit based on his international duty. I think it was Thursday morning um, UK time when he'd actually played. So I think you could reasonably expect, having travelled back, that he might not have been absolutely ready to start the game. But to then go without a striker altogether, it felt a little bit like... I mean, I mean, I said this during the game. We were paying Villa a bit too much respect, I think. Um, by doing that and sitting off them a little bit too much. What happens with that three in, in midfield? Because we don't have like a natural number 10 that can do that that job out of the three of them. You just don't get the options ahead of the ball. And Huang and Traore, as good as they have kind of real qualities to their game, neither of them are back-to-goal players who are going to hold on to the ball and bring other people into play. And that's where I think a lot of it fell down uh, to begin with. Yeah, I think um, it's when we don't play without Jimenez or we play with genuinely a brilliant striker, you realise how fragile Wolves are and how much of a focal point he is. And this almost, he has this magnetism to his game for me that he just draws other people in with being in the right position. And it's such a easy thing to unappreciate sometimes um, for me. Um well, before we kind of talk about the midfield trio, because, I mean, we spent three seasons talking about how they never quite work, how we need them to. Let, let's talk Traore, um, because, I mean, I put it down in my notes. He was fundamental to all three goals, but he hasn't got a goal or assist. But, I mean, should we talk about is uh, Royal for Rovers running the first half? Um, it was basically our first main chance of the, of the game from memory. You know, he, it, almost classic Traore, just... You know what do you take it sixty yards at the pitch? Yeah, I mean it was it was a great Traore run like we see so often, but like we've seen all season this year, it just lacked finish. I mean it was more or less straight at the goalkeeper, and it was just very Traore of him. Um, you know, granted, again, it's one of those chances that no other player is going to get you, but you know there is genuine frustration that he can at least put it somewhere where the goalkeeper would have to move. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what what I find interesting and, and Gully will probably tell me I'm, I'm wrong. Um, for, for those watching on YouTube, I've got three frames. You've got almost your first one where he's just before the halfway line, one just after and one when he's about to shoot. And it's interesting that on those three frames, he hasn't really got any options to, you know, we'll say actually, what Troy needs to do in these situations is finishing. It's not great. He needs to pass it, but he's almost 
splits past so many of his own teammates. He's not quite got himself. There's no one else near him for him to, you know, play a side rule pass and give someone an easy chance. And I find that almost the most difficult thing about Troy Roy sometimes is he's so quick. He kind of outpaces his own teammates. Do you know what I mean? I think, yeah, it it's almost as if, like, he creates something out of nothing to such an extent that his teammates aren't even realising it's happening at the same time. If you see yeah. what I mean? You know, it's like, oh, I should probably make a run at this point, but but that point being, Adama is already ahead of the play. He's already one-on-one. We're probably, at the point we're, we're talking, it's probably Tyrone Mings is facing him up, mm. but then it's one touch beyond him. And I, I really don't think you could fault the decision-making at each point in the move. No. The only point thing being, uh, I mean, he, what he needed was, um, if we all remember his first goal for Wolves, uh, West Ham away, is that kind mm. of low-driven finish, kind of inside, uh, at kind of keepers near post side. Um, he just needed to hit it with that kind of conviction, I think. And he, he just lacked a little... I don't, I, I don't know what it is with him sometimes, but we've seen him strike a ball. We know he can do it. Um, and, you know, these kind of situations, I find it's not an easy one to, it's not a, a straightforward total gimme. So, you know, people giving him crap for not necessarily taking the chance. So I'm a bit, you know, well, I'd like to see what you would do in that situation kind of thing. But I just think he needs one of those to just go in and, it, you know, just to give himself that confidence that um, he, he can produce the goods because he, it feels like every time it happens, he, he seems to go into a shell a little bit. Yeah, and you say he does everything right in the build, and you know, even the shots. Not, uh, I, I completely understand what Blake means when he says, you know, he's not made of goalkeeper moves, but he's not like shanked it, you know, outside of a boot towards, you know, for, uh, you know, out for a goal kick or anything like that. And you say it's Troy away in a nutshell, um, but. You know, he was probably our most dangerous player, particularly in the first half. And I, I don't know, the first half was really weird for me. And if you guys watched the Match of the Day highlights, they basically showed that chance in the first half. And that was it. Because it just... Wolves really weren't creating anything. Despite having the three in the middle, we really seemed to struggle against Buendia. Um, he was picking up the pockets of space. Um, and, you know... We we we've seen as I said we've seen Neves, Dendonka, Traore, and they can we've seen them work just about in the past under Nuno. Didn't really get that feel under Bruno Large. Uh, Gully, what what did you sort of think of the Wolves? Well, three midfielders because we don't have any others. I think well, by by nature, it, it basically told Villa that we were probably going to be lacking a little bit um, up top especially with the personnel that we had playing up top as well. And I think it gave them that little bit of license to probably play with a little bit more risk. Now, someone like Buendia, I think he's a class player, to be fair. Um, I know I'd have taken him at Wolves all day long. I feel like he's the kind of player we're missing. And I just think if if you're going to allow Villa to play a little bit, they will look half decent. Now, we went on to show that if you put them under a bit of pressure, they will fold. But... We didn't put them under any pressure whatsoever in the first half. And that, I think, comes down to the way that Bruno set us up. And I think he has to take a bit of the flack for us finding ourselves in the situation that we did, ultimately, because 
there's no way we should be two 0 down to that team. I, I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm willing to go like die on this hill. Villa just aren't that good. I, I really don't see it. I've never been impressed by them at any point in which we've played them since they got back promoted. So why are we showing that showing them the kind of respect that three midfielders across the centre of the park shows a team? If you see what I mean. No, I, I completely agree. Um, I'm going to bring it back to Wendy because you've said you've rated him, and we'll probably talk about um this guy later. It was a debate I had with a friend post game to be fair. Um Podence or Buendia? Which one do you rate higher? Because I said Podence and I don't actually think it's that close. Yeah. I probably prefer Podence just because he's sort of like a he he has a lot of qualities that Troy does and that he just causes problems. And you know, as as a winger, it's just a I think a position that we really need right now. And I know we haven't played him much, but I think he has a lot of potential as well. So I, I think it really is just a matter of giving him space and giving him time. Granted, I know that there's been rumors that he wants to go back to Olympiacos, so we'll see how that whole thing plays out. But yeah, I just I don't know. It's it's hard, and I have no reason to go against Podence. I think. Pedence, and uh, I think we all know that Pedence is one of my favourite Wolves players, to be honest. Given the kind of back catalogue of Premier League experience that he has and what, what Buendia has, I think I remember when we played Norwich away um, and they had Timo Puki up front with Buendia in behind. Uh, we beat him We beat him 2-1, I think, on, in, on, in the end, but that first half, Buendia just basically ran the show, put Pookie in about three or four times. And if he'd taken his chances, then you'd be talking about a different kind of result. Ever since then, I just think he has performed at a higher standard for a bit more of... Because even though um, Norwich went down that season, I think he was a standout player for them. He went on to have a stellar campaign in the Championship last season as well. I don't necessarily see Pudence producing a 46-game Championship season where he's going to come up with 15 goals and 15 assists. You see what I mean? We haven't got enough yeah. of a consistent run of performances from Pedence to actually back that up. So at this point in time, I'll probably say I'd take Buendia. But as he went on to show, Pedence is a game changer at this level as well. Yeah, I think, I think it was an interesting one because I think in theory, they both occupy similar positions and that they both want to play that number 10 and they almost that archetypal uh, creative midfielder. And, you know, the um, juxtaposition, I'm using a big word, uh, put that in for my word of the podcast, I guess, um, of Buendia's first half and Podence's second um, in particular. And I found found it interesting and I'd be curious come end of the season to see how their stats do add up because, you know, I think there are probably parts of Buendia where he might flatter to deceive, um, but then again, Podence can't, stay fit or be in the team for 10 games in a row. So I know I, I, I if I can be bothered, I, we, I'm going to keep an eye on it over the next six months and sort of see how they, they stack up come May. Um, Cause you know, it's going, when Deer came through a lot of money, he's not, he doesn't start every game. Um, but anyway, with, with Wolves fancast, not Villa fancast. Um, so first half, half passed by second half did not start well. Um, and it continued not to 
go very well. So we ended up being 2-0 down, conceding Danny Ings, what, three minutes after um, after the interval, which, I mean, that, that always frustrates me as a as a fan because, you know, it shows that we've not clocked on. Uh, was the first goal preventable for you guys? Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, they're, they're, I'll let you break it down then, Gully, before I kind of blabble on then. I mean, I think, sorry, go ahead, go on, Blake. I just think that Cody could have done way better in marking his man there. And it just felt like, especially from the stands, you just knew it was coming because we were just inviting pressure into the final third basically every single moment. I mean, it just felt like every single time Villa had the ball, we just let them go into the final third. There was no urgency. There was no, there wasn't really an attempt to take the game to them. Um, so it didn't surprise me at all when the first goal went in. And But even then, it was like Cody... He just almost had a brain fart where he just didn't mark Ings. Yeah. Um, given the fact we play a back three gully, I mean, to, to be fair, I think Dan Ings is someone who is probably one of the best in the league, I'd say, in terms of finding space in the box and being able to pick up a small pocket. But at the same time, it's another goal we've conceded from the left side, which I think yeah. is a bit of a flag for me. Um, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And again, as as Blake said, he did still manage to find a place, and it almost felt like we lined up as a, in our formation and held the line rather than anyone actually bothering to track this really nippy striker. Well, first issue I think is kind of prior to the cross coming in, which is, I mean, John McGinn. If you noticed, he likes basically twerking on people, and people seem to get mesmerised by it. And he basically backed into Sace. Sace got way too tight. I don't know if he thought he was in a club or something like that, trying to grind up on some bird or whatever. But he gets way too tight, and he just rolls him, and McGinn's good at that. Um, and once that happens, the cross is going to come in. And, I mean, to be fair to you, it's a decent ball in on his weaker side. We're in a position to attack the ball, but the ball's kind of always moving away from the defence. And and Ings, I mean, it's one of them. He's he, he manages to be in the kind of right position, and he's pretty good at that. But I think the biggest problem there is the way that Sace handled McGinn out, out wide. It just wasn't good enough. And to the, going back to the point of the starting line, I, I don't see if if Willy Body's fit. I just don't see why he doesn't start. He should be starting. Yeah. Game. You know, crosses into the box. He eats him up. The you know, absolute breakfast. Max Kilman is pretty good at attacking the ball as well. You put him, Cody Kilman, back onto the left hand side. I think we solve some of our defensive frailties. I love Rabaisa. I think he's a really solid um, Premier League footballer, but he lets himself down on a few occasions. Yeah, it feels like. Uh, yeah. I wouldn't quite say the, the goal was his fault or anything like that. That feels like too far because it almost feels like it's a he should have done better rather than you know it's you know error led to goal or whatever. Yeah, it's not often a lot of those though, doesn't he? It's it not feels often like... you can blame a single footballer for a no. goal, really, is it? Like, no. there's always a couple of things. I mean, being a defender, I always think goals come from basically much further up the pitch than the. The area, and there's always something that happens 40 yards away, which I, I can point a finger at. And um, so I will always look for that thing. But yeah, it, it, there are always little little situations. Just the fact that McGinn was able to make a forward run into that space. You know, Sace has been dragged out initially as well to that wider position, 
when you're playing with a back five, you know, you, you'd like to think that your centre-half doesn't have to go out wide too often. Marcel is usually in there. I, I, I'd have to look at it again to kind of suss that bit out. But <laughs> You say it, does, it almost doesn't sit quite right. Do, does it, in fact, that Sace is there? Because that should be your, you know, ideally Marcel. Isn't it? But I think I'll sort of loop back to sort of my, my offhanded comment about saying it's another goal from that left-hand side. Now, I don't know without looking and I'm too lazy to do any sort of checks. You know, is it a case of teams targeting us down that side at this point? Or is it actually just teams have got a tactic for occupies you know that third man run because you know I, I think back to the opening game against Leicester um and sort of Pereira um knocks him across the Vardy now they scored a very similar goal to that a couple of weeks later as well so I, I know it seems like these a couple of sort of maneuvers of sort of really exploited Wolves sort of weaknesses on that side but we'll go for the second goal um out of curiosity, do either of you two know what Huang was doing when that ball came to him? Because I paused it at the moment he shanks it, and I genuinely I can't work out who is he trying to pass it to, or is it just a really bad touch? I think he is trying to pass it, but again, this is why when I sort of look back at that game, I'm wondering if it's more of a positional thing because I just don't know. Like I there. As you said, it just defies all sense what he's trying to do there. I can only imagine that he's he's almost just trying to pass it to somebody who he would think would be there, not realizing that it's just an Aston Villa player right in front of him. So I, I just I couldn't fathom it then or now. Ev- 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 everyone, everyone's got a man. I can't. Who, who do you reckon he's trying to get it to? There's, a, there's a ball on to Neves, but it's not an easy pass. It's not just a. No. Simple as, oh yeah, you just lay it off to him. I think you have to work a little bit harder to make sure the ball gets to him. And in essence, by having to make that decision in that area of the pitch, he would have been a lot better set to just actually take control of the ball and maybe try and play with his back to goal and hold on to it a little bit more. I'd try and draw a free kick or something like that. Um, I do think when I've seen Huang, he prefers to play a lot quicker um, when the ball comes into him. He seems to like doing little first-time layoffs, you know, one, one or two touches um, because he isn't that kind of back-to-goal kind of player. But at that moment in time, that first time, like, it, was not a, it was not a simple, easy solution. And you obviously saw what happened as a result. Yeah, I mean, so and, and to be fair, it, it, I was going to say it was pretty much directly involved. It, was a, uh, it bounced about a little bit and then falls to McGinn, who's, you know, heavily deflected shot goes in. Um, yeah, if it wasn't deflected, I, Saul would have saved it easily. So, I mean, there's only so much you can complain about there. See, I, I saw the goal. I started a tweet being like, he's over-celebrated that, to be honest for me, considering it is very much... Um, I wouldn't, You know what? I'd almost say it's an own goal, to be honest, because it has completely wrong-footed the goalkeeper. And to see him giving it the big one, I need tweeted and then sort of got sidetracked and didn't. I mean, In, if you want to talk about deflected goals and giving it the big one... Yeah. yeah, and then I thought, you know what? It's probably one of the <laughs> better times I didn't tweet something in my life because, um, yeah. I, I mean, look, second goal came in. Uh, did I? Do I think we deserve to be two 0 down? No, mate. Maybe a goal down, but I don't know. We we then made the subs. Um, you know, Podence coming on, Silver coming on. 
um, gave it a bit longer um, for Jimenez, but you know, obviously, um, the, the well, I was going to say Podence and Silver on for Wolves' um, first couple of goals. One thing I found really interesting: essentially, all goals coming from set pieces in one way or another. Um, you know, I'll put I'll pull it up now. We'll go. We'll you know we'll talk Roman Saiz's goal in the in the 80th minute. Uh, what did you guys love more? Because I mean, obviously, I was going to say we, I mentioned at the top um, about Troyore's involvement. Um, you know, with all three goals. Um, but you know, his work for Saiz's goal was great. But then you include that Neves pass, and I don't think it's probably appreciated how good a ball that is. Not at all. Like, Not at all. You, Fantastic. just just to do it that speed of thought the the, the deafness of it to get the weighting right and to be well to be able to see the pass as well and not just to do exactly what was needed you know i said about training round earlier and and cody said in his post-match they do a lot of work on the second and third breakdowns um but that that pass to then to for podents to play it in yeah that, that, that's probably my favourite thing about any of the goals we scored. Yeah, yeah just, just going back to the Traore um, involvement, I think he's added to the list of players he's forced off injured that play for Aston Villa because Matty Cash, basically, he tried to run with him and he <laughs> left him and he, he went off at the next interval, I'm pretty certain. Um, so he's done both full-backs now, um, which he can probably be pleased about. But... That yeah, that that pass needs its own kind of you know appreciation society. That like it was it was unbelievable because I don't think anybody else is seeing that. Even you know from mm. our cameras, you know we have probably the best vantage point just by sitting at home in our armchairs to a certain extent. And I don't think I saw that pass onto Pedence personally. So full props to him because what would Nevers normally do in that situation? Probably hit it towards goal. Um, yeah, he'd take, a sw- he'd take a big swing or he'd hook it over. Yeah, he, wouldn't and, almost, he wouldn't open up his body. You almost um, couldn't You couldn't blame him for that, I don't think, because we weren't in a bad situation to necessarily try and have mm-hmm. a go. But speed of thought. And then Pedence, really important, because it was a very sharp decision to go and square the ball again as well. If he dallies on that, then it doesn't open up the space for the cross. And, you know, maybe Sace runs offside or something like that. So that all had to be right for the goal to actually happen. Yeah. And a great finish from Sice as well, because how many times do you see it where it's a ball where they would have to outstretch and they just let it roll right past them? So, I mean, it was great from Sice to actually see the last season. He missed a total sitter last season, mm. um, like from basically under the bar, if I remember rightly, which was a similar kind of situation. Um, so, yeah, he and he's already missed one against Man United, hasn't he, this season? So, yeah. Maybe he's been working on his finishing a little bit. Uh, I feel, hope so, anyway. And, um... I completely forgot what I was going to say about the Nevis touch now, but it couldn't have been that important. Um, yeah, and and second goal, again, I don't think it's going to go down in history books as a the greatest, um, cleanest goal Wolves have ever scored, but it ended up in the back of a box somehow. Um, and I was going to say, um, I've now remembered my point now, but it actually loops into the second one. It was in the match of the day analysis, so I can't really claim it as mine, but Michael Richards saying that... You know, you could just see the where Wolves had been working on that second, third phase, or you know, third balls, however you want to describe it, um, for the 
first goal Wolves scored, um, Podence was on Ings and he tracked him the first movement, but then dropped off him all of a sudden. And that's how Podence got a couple of yards. And it was similar for Cody's one as well. Um, but whoever was marking him just just sort of stepped off for a second and just gave him those, that opportunity. But always nice to see Connor Cody on the score sheet, even if it is a bit of a scrambly one. Yeah, and I think the other thing that really needs to be taken note of is speaking of Adamatrori doing things on the ball that nobody else really does, you see before he played the ball in that there were three Aston Villa defenders coming towards him because, mm. I mean, in order to stop Adamatrori, you kind of need three players to, to be <laughs> on him. And I think that that allows the space for the absolute pinball that would occur for Cody to score that goal. Um, so I think it's a real it'll be an undervalued, in my opinion, ball in from Traore to attract that. I think we'll see it here in this clip right now. See, you can see those three just right on him there. And that yeah. just opens up the space. And you can see Cody now towards the back post. And there it is. So, yeah, I, I just think that for all the moaning that people do about Traore, a lot of people don't realize just how much he attracts defenders and how much space he opens up for Wolves. And great work by Donk as well, would you say, Gully? It almost, if I said Doty-esque. Do you know what I mean? Like coming at yeah, the back post, the post. Be, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, something yeah. that Wolves do miss having someone with that um, instinct um, and, and having someone the size of Dendonka. It, it, it does. It makes a difference, doesn't it? It definitely did there. I mean, my, my biggest gripe about this game is the fact that once we just put a little bit of pressure on that back line, they totally folded and you just see the panic in the, it's just a couple of balls. We did nothing really special for this goal. I mean, we just talked about the Nevis pass, etc. But for this one, it wasn't a fat lot you could say that we'd done a real great technical quality. It was a nice little clip to the back post by Traore. But it was just weight of numbers, um, putting pressure on people in situations they don't want to be in. And look at what happens. And it just said to me, I'm not being funny, we, we did this for 10 minutes in the game and we won it. If we had done this mm. from minute one to minute 45... We could have been home and host, in my yeah. personal opinion. And that's the great frustration I've still got from kind of taking away from this game, if I'm honest. And hopefully Bruno kind of takes something from that because yeah, just pay these they're shit, man. Fucking the filler is shit. <laughs> shit. I'm glad you're saying it because I remember at the start of the season, it might have been in on a fan cast group chat. Um I mean like, you know, they're like, oh, we've signed um, but like Bailey Ings, I said you put that team on paper. Apart from your front two, maybe three, and I've always said I'm not one thousand percent sold on Buendia as being a you know a complete game changer in the top half of the Premier League. Um, you know, up, up top, good. But from midfield down, mm, I, Honestly, I like I like Martinez. You I go. Think- you if, know what? I you... mean, Dan Dan said it in that um, pre-season thing with the Villa fans. And you know what? It pains me to say it, but I think little Dan was actually right. Delusions of grandeur, I think, is the phrase uh, regarding Villa fans. But honestly, how Tyrone Mings and Connor Cody both get into the England squad, <laughs> right? I can only assume it's for the banter and the, the lols and, and the vibes because, I mean, you might as well call a Banton deck because... They're not international class defenders. Tyron Mings was terrible. He is terrible. I don't see what people. He's got the the kind of chest thumping kind of on on the leader of the pack kind of vibe. But when it comes to actually trying to deal with stuff and be a defender, 
Jesus Christ. I mean, I, th- I feel like Fabio Silva had him rattled to a certain extent when, when he came on. Like, And if you're not going to deal with a 19-year-old waif like him, like, oh, man. They're talking about Europe and shit. What, what is this about? Champions League. No, at the start of the season, it was Champions League because that's why they were... They. I'll get, we'll brand them all together. It just makes it easy, doesn't it? Um, they were talking, you know... The the issue with Jack Grealish going is because they are going to be a Champions League team. So why is he left for another Champions League club? Was like, that was actually I mean, that was, like, someone said that. Yeah, that 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 was the rhetoric behind the the, the disappointment of Grealish going. That oh, right, they, yeah, they are competing. Yeah. Like why is he going? Um, and I just find it. Yeah, yeah. I, I said you put our, you put our. I don't know, um, but yeah, you say they started to crumble and. You know, I think he, as soon as we got that first one, and there was still plenty of time on the clock. I mean, obviously, when the second one one went in, I think we all knew where it was going. Um, and you know what? I, I was really annoyed. I think it was Fabio Silva. It would have been before the third goal. He, he ran down the byline, and they, Villa got that really cheap free kick, and I couldn't work out what he did wrong. And I thought, that, that's the moment. It's going to peter out from here, 2-2. Two, two. Everyone's going to you know shake hands and move on. And then Troy did again something that Troy doesn't do, uh, that no one else really does, and just carries the ball 40 yards at the pitch. And I mean, to be honest, I don't know what Troy's going to do when he's got that ball 20 yards out in front of goal. But um, Ramsey in the middle of the park, I think, showed his inexperience to a degree because you can't just, you know, to clip any player in the last minute and give them that opportunity. Uh, I mean, you know, Dean Smith can blame whoever he wants, but that that's the epicenter for me of that goal. Um, just because you, you should just just play it safe. Don't give any silly fouls away. You're already rattled. You're already on the back foot. Um, I think that's a real shame because Ramsey's got a lot of potential. Um, lots of things about the free kick that, that were enjoyable. You know, I mean, I'll start with McGinn lying down which I always find very novel because, you know, how many, I genuinely, how many goals do you reckon that prevents? Precisely zero, because the only reason they're lying there is as a deterrent. Do you see what, if you see yeah. what I mean? Nobody's attempting to shoot there just because there's a bloke lying there. But yeah, I, I get it. But also at the same time, how many free kicks are scored from underneath the wall? It's not exactly like it's a... I can recall about three, I think, off the top of my head. And all three of them around the history of football. And and one (laughs) one Aldinho, one. There was the one um, Porto scored against Juve, I think, was it last season's Champions League when they won that epic um, quarter-final? You know, I I remember, and and I know De Bruyne has scored one as well. So we are really having to pluck it. I I think it's just like a mind games thing. But... You know, I saw it and I thought, I really hope we score now. Somehow deflecting off McGinn, lying on his backside. But it, it didn't. And I, I, think, I think McGinn McGinn was just keeping up his sexy vibes from the twerking earlier in the game. So <laughs> lying there in like some like porn star position. Paint um, me like one of your French girls. Ruben. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> you see the size of his backside as well. That would block everything out. So. <laughs> and then... Um, I mean, poor, poor Matty Target, because he gets... No, not poor Matty Target, Rich. Not I mean, poor. 
he's probably targeted in the fact that he constantly gets targeted by Wolves, whether it's a Dharma Trey or Ray just trying to bully him for 75 minutes and him pulling up with a quote-unquote hamstring injury, or basically having a ball missiled at him and smacking off him. Um, and yeah, I said, I can't really complain about McGinn's over-celebration because I don't, I don't quite know, and I, I don't even care to be honest. Do we think Nevis's goal, Nevis's shot, would have gone in or made goal Never. on target? Um, I think it, it would have been on target, but I don't think there's any way it's going in. I mean, it's it's too low. I think it's just an EV diving save for the keeper. He might even hold it. Um, so I think we were really lucky. But hey, that's football, and they don't ask how; they ask how many. Yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, looking it back, we, I remember at the start of the season, we talked a lot about how, you know, Wolves didn't quite have the rubber for green. I think we've, that's definitely turned now. And, you know, the more chances you create, the luckier you're going to get, in my opinion. And Wolves have created a lot of chances so far in this league. And um, I, I think as Gulley's been saying pretty much the entire show, we should have started strong on the front foot and maybe started someone like Fabio Silva and kept that more of a focal point up front because I don't think it worked having almost two slightly more withdrawn players up front for me. But actually, it's been a bit... It's almost been a bit frustrating, hasn't it? You look back on the games which we've won, we've arguably not played as well as in the games that we've lost. Do you know what I mean? And I think, you know, I it's a lot of that, business, but I think a lot of that is just trying to find our feet under Bruno. Um, mm. Because you remember the the first three games we played, which were the ones where we played really well. Uh, I just think it was just getting used to what Bruno wanted us to do, um, and I think now we've sort of kind of figured it out. Granted, we had no idea how to play the three five two. That was self evident, but uh, it just sort of seemed like we needed that little bit of time to get going. And now that it has, it seems like we're the kind of team that can, can win even when we don't play particularly well. And that is the mark of a great team. So it'll be interesting to see how we get on in the future. Yeah. Um, you know, I think Wolves definitely need to keep versatility in the tactics and in information. So, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't rule out the formation change. It'll be interesting to sort of see Jimenez up front in that three, five, two, maybe, um, alongside, I guess, Swang. Um, but you know, hey, 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 we got the win, and that's what's important. Um, I think I think it's worth kind of just pointing out, though, that the fact that every manager probably needs um, kind of a landmark game quite early on in their tenure, just to stamp a bit of authority and, and say, you know what, things could be kind of making their way towards success. I don't see. I mean, I, I was thinking about this. When we were playing, when we were two one up against Newcastle um, at mm. home, we got a bit edgy. We were a bit naive. I think we didn't necessarily make great decisions with regards to substitutions and things. And a team that has a little bit of unity and a bit of togetherness, basically not Newcastle, probably would have scored a goal. I think to equalise against us. Now we showed yesterday that we have a little bit about us and the players I think are playing for the manager and they've, they're kind of, they really want him to succeed probably, you know, from two nil down to pull that back. 
if, if they weren't backing Bruno and they weren't happy with you know the way things are going so far, we'd have lo- we'd have won that game. We'd have lost that game two 0 You know, it would have been like last season where we just kind of went out with a whimper anytime we went behind and, and didn't really have that that level of kind of fight and endeavour to you know try and try and salvage results. So I think this game will probably go down not just for the way it went down, you know, ten minutes away from a two 0 defeat and a local derby and it's Aston Villa and we're away and we're in their backyard and all the euphoria that kind of comes with that. But it'll go down as a real important moment in Bruno's, Bruno's management to say, you know what, this is a half-decent team. Well, one of the interesting things that I wanted to bring up that I haven't seen anybody else talk about was after the full-time whistles, when the players and came over, Bruno walked about halfway with them and then he gave all the fans the point at the players and then he went right back into the dressing room like he didn't come over with the players and that's it's interesting to me because that's such a stark contrast especially to Nuno who I think sort of played into the limelight as well and it's interesting to sort of question if that's a, a greater indication of what his culture is at Wolves if it's more about the players rather than what the manager wants it's it was quite curious to me and I'm interested to gauge your opinion on do you think that that Bruno is more of a, a player's manager, maybe more willing to give the players more space than Nuno. And is that going to affect Wolves at all? Um, I'm trying to work out a way to s- sort of, apart from bluntly saying, yeah, um, to be honest, because I think the more you read about Nuno, particularly weirdly at Spurs, because I guess, well, there's a bit of a media frenzy about them anyway, um, about how he's a bit distant from a lot of players um, and has been particularly at Wolves, I guess, since Premier, more Premier League times, but I know it's, it's interesting with Nuno because you say he, he used to be the one who used to go to the fans and stuff like that, and he was very much, um, you know, a, a champion for that. But I'm thinking of when you know he won manager of the month competitions and he'd have it with his coaches in a way, and it feels interesting. I guess it's you know a different change in philosophy, but you know. Nuno would probably attribute his success to or the team's success to the coaching staff, um, not just himself. Whereas Bruno's not attributing to it to himself, but he's attributing it to the players. And you know, hey, whatever works. I think it's really interesting that you say he kind of just went, "Look, they're the ones who have done it." Yeah. Um, you know, you say he was the one who got us into the mess as well. I was going to say, um, I think, so, I'm, I think know, I'm reading that as Bruno thought he got it wrong, and maybe the, the players have bailed him out a little bit. And <laughs> yeah, you know why? Football, to a certain extent, that's what it is. You're, you're there to, you're a teammate. Yeah, you're, you're there to back each other up. You know, through the rough and the smooth. And I think, I mean, interestingly enough, going back to that kind of moment where a manager needs a, a result to kind of mm. hang his hat on. It was this week that we, we beat that, Villa under Nuno. I was going to say, that was going to be my last point, that we beat them 2-0 four years ago. Um, I, I think that one was at home, though. Um, yeah. Now, it, got, it was a great game. I, almost iconic goals in that season. Um, if you can cast your minds back and kind of get rid of some of the recency bias, I guess, which one had a better feeling for you both? Um Saturday's game or one where we beat him 2 0. And that re- for me, that one, I mean, I think we all pray at this point four years ago, we pretty much knew we were going to get promoted, but that one sealed that hang on, we are just better than everyone else. Um, which, wh- which one did you enjoy more? 
Yeah, as much as I love beating Villa in the 95th minute, I mean, that was just, it was pretty dreadful for the first 80 minutes. So it definitely was much more enjoyable to watch the one four years ago because it was just we were in complete domination and there was never any doubt that we weren't going to win that game. And as you said, it was sort of that moment where we went from thinking, oh, yes, Wolves are going to get promoted this year to, holy hell, Wolves are everything we've ever dreamed that they could be. Um, and we'd have that proven over the next two seasons. And yeah, yeah, for me, that was just sort of, it was the first domino to fall in Wolves getting to where we are today. Yeah, I think that that game, it was because we were so far ahead of them in every area of the pitch. It just made you feel, you know what, these guys can't touch us um, at that point in time. This season, (laughs) again, it probably doesn't help the fact that I wasn't at the game and Blake, you'll probably have that euphoria and that, you know, those memories to, to kind of hang on to. And this will always kind of stick in, in, in your mind. Um, it just doesn't quite feel as good because I know we can be a better team than we were yesterday. And I think mm. we have to show that a little bit more and basically say to Aston Villa, remember that game four years ago? Well, we're still ahead of you. Like we are still a better side and I think we can definitely show them that but hopefully back at Molyneux later in the season yeah still definite chance for us to really spank a team this season I think we can all agree on that there's still genuine potential we're going to knock four or five past on probably when we play Norwich but uh, right let's quickly round up who are we saying man of a match wise guys Um, I mean there's there's a few choices you could give it prudence for you know his impact late on personally I've thrown up a a graphic on it I'm actually going to give it to Traore um, chiefly because of his involvement. Actually, you know, I do think he was integral to all the goals, despite the fact he didn't quite, uh, you know, he, di- he didn't have the necessary stats, tangibles to, to show by it. But um, quickly, guys, Gully, uh, Blake, what did you think? Who, or who I, even? As much as I appreciate the Troyori pick, I think I have to go with Neves, just because, yeah. first of all, there wasn't really anybody out there who was that spectacular. And... The well, it's not an official assist, but the pass in from Neves was superb, and he scores the winner. And as as shit house as it was, a winner, a 90th minute winner is a 90th minute winner. So uh, I just think it's a little unfair to give it to anybody other than Neves. Yeah, go on, Gully. Who are you going to say? I'm, I'm part of the Traore gang. I think this week, I think he needs he needs a, a little bit of a bit of loving and. It's just one of those things. There's never an occasion where not picking Adama Traore is a good idea, if you see what I mean. You know, like, he's all, he should, I just feel like he should always be in the team. Like, just, just play him. Because, you know, he, he, he changes games, man. He just changes games. Like, and if you can build the rest of the team around him to probably pick up on some of his failings and, and, and cover those cracks then, you know, he's, a, he's an incredible part of this football team. Fez, Fez. Right, we're going to take a short break, guys. Um, we'll be back after this, talk a little bit about news and do a bit of um, Twitter corner questions because we've got some fun ones to speak to in a little bit. Mm-hmm. 
Hi, it's Richard from Wolf's Fancast here. Just interrupting today's show before we get back to some question or opinions and opinionated questions to talk to you a little bit about our sponsors, Pixel Yeti Media. They are a design agency that put you and your business first from web design, logo and branding design and marketing. If you have any marketing needs, get in touch with them to find out how they can help you get it right. They are over at pixelyetimedia.com. Com. Now let's get back to a show where we can give you some really forced wordplay, niche cultural references, and maybe even a bit of football talk. Hello, welcome back, everybody. Um, it's been the international break, so it's not been a lot of to and goings, and as you can probably tell by the fact we're a good forty-five minutes into this recording, we wanted to talk about the Villa game more than anything else, to be honest. But a couple of tidbits I wanted to chat about, guys. So, um, first was Jose Sar getting Balls Player of the Month for September. Um, what do you guys think of his impact at Wolves um, so far? I mean, he seems to be quietly doing the business. And, you know, interestingly, I think, you know, you, you look at how many caps Patricio's got for the national team now, Sars yet to get any. I think I talked about this on the, the show just before the international breakout. He's about fourth, fifth choice at this point. But we don't really seem to be lacking. If anything, we seem to be thriving since his yeah. arrival. Yeah, he's a very fitting replacement. Mm. Yeah, I, I don't really know if there's that much to say because, as you said, he has just done the business. I mean, if, I don't know if I would say that any of his saves have been particularly spectacular yet. But every time we've needed him to come up big, he has. And we saw it in the Villa game when I can't remember who it was that was one-on-one with him. And he just sort of dived down to his right and just easily tipped it around the the, uh, the far post. And, yeah, I mean, he's just – he's done exactly as we've needed him to do. I think the, the biggest compliment you can kind of pay him is that he we don't miss Patricio um, hmm. in any which way. Um, I think – Patricio being Portugal's number one is kind of symptomatic of them probably being a more conservative side than they need to be, given the kind of talent they have at their disposal. Now, you could probably accuse us of being that way with Patricio and goal as well. And we've looked to take that step to become a more progressive team with Saar in goal. So I don't see why he isn't part of that setup. Now there might be other keepers like Anthony Lopez who, you know, clearly got some pedigree as well, but I don't, I don't see a fat lot of difference in terms of level between someone like Jose Sar and Patricia. No. Yeah. I think it, I mean, I think said in previous one, you know, Fairfax to, to port, to Portugal's national team, but they've got this abundance of goalkeepers. Cause I think the, the other goalkeepers in the squad, it was Patricio, um, the keeper you just mentioned, and the, the Porto goalkeeper. So it's you know they're, they're all of a decent quality, aren't they? Yeah. Um, but you know I think his impact at Wolves has been has been fantastic um, so far. In fact, we've it, it's not felt like a downgrade. And I don't think anyone when when the signing was made really thought it would be, or didn't think it would be like this huge drop off because obviously we got a bit of spare change from it. Um, but you know it, it's really good to see he's hit the hit the ground running. Um, you know, I say hopefully it continues throughout the season. Um, from the international break, obviously, you know, we talked in the preview show about Martino getting his 140th Portuguese Portugal cap, which is mind-boggling and you know a, a testament to the magnificent players. But um, the one thing I really wanted to mention uh, was Jimenez, who, despite you know him only getting ten minutes at the end for Wolves because of being jet lagged, 
at least he can find solace in the fact that he scored for Mexico. Um, you know, Isan is obviously incredibly proud of playing for his national team. And, you know, it, it, you can't fault the guy, can you? No, and I've seen the highlights of the games that he played, and to be fair, he probably could have had a couple. I mean, there was one where he just smashed a header against the post, and it was just like, oh. But, yeah, I mean, it was it was it's it's really good to see him back on the score sheet with the national team because, obviously, that means, I'm sure, a lot to him and especially to the Mexican supporters. So, yeah, and I mean, I mean, it was a just an easy penalty finish for him, and it was quite funny because I don't know if either of you have seen, but it's in El Salvador and there's just balls of beer and just flasks and everything being hailed down at him while he's trying to take his penalty. There's a, there's a laser that's trying to be flashed in his eye and just cool as you like, just right into the opposite corner than where the keeper dives. And yeah. It's proper trademark him in his penalty, isn't it? Uh, you yeah. just, you miss, you miss seeing him put one of those away. I feel, I feel like, I almost feel like he hasn't taken one since that severe miss. And it's just like, oh, I need him to get one in a wall shirt now. Just to I'd get have that. loved it, especially with, you know, the, the amount of lip Martinez gives with penalties. I did have this vision on Saturday that Jimenez would come off the bench and we'd get a last minute penalty. And, you know, you'd have him, you'd, you'd have Martinez giving it a big one. And then just Jimenez just casually just strokes it in the bottom yeah. corner. I have got um, a lot of time for Martinez right towards the Stretford end, though, to be fair. That's, yeah, I, I do admire it. But I also think there's going to be a point where he's going to mouth off. And yeah. talking, I, I'm trying to work out who's going to be the player who's going to put him in his place. Talking of Martinez, Blake, I mean, how was Stu at the weekend? Was he quite conflicted in, in, in his uh, um, love for different players at this point? or? I don't know, to be honest. I mean, he was pretty, he was mostly pretty flustered for the first 80 minutes. I mean, I think he's going to be a hell of a lot more negative than just because he was in the presence of that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, (laughs) I mean, he was just moaning for it. It's getting a bit hot in here, isn't it, guys? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) When when, when he made that save for Triore, Stu's the only one celebrating while everyone else got, you know, hands on head. (laughs) Um, two, Two last bits of. I say news or things I'm going to just draw, you know, pull out the bag uh, that I want to chat about. Um, Bruno Jordao's birthday was earlier this week. And I always find him a really interesting one because I see his name pop up really frequently on social media. It's not just because of a meme um, of him on the sidelines looking really impatiently waiting to come on. But, you know, in fact, Wolves only have three central midfielders. And, you know, I remember at the time someone saying, yeah, but we've got Jordao will come back. And I'd look, he's 23 now, well, 23 in a couple of days, but he's played, what, one game for Wolves? And he's bet, you know, we're talking in two seasons, he's made nine appearances. He's made about 16 in total across his whole career. And <laughs> I don't know, I've not, I will level with you guys. I've not seen enough of him to be able to tell you, you know, if there's a player in there. But do you think there's, we're at a bit of a make or break point with him and he's going to become a bit of a forgotten man if he can't, you know, maintain any level of fitness to actually show us what he can do in the senior team? To be brutally honest, I think he's being forgotten about now. I mean, I just, if we are truly going to grow over the next few years, I just personally don't see a space for him within this team. And maybe he's going to prove me wrong and, you know, people will be tweeting about this till the end of time, but I, I just don't see it. 
So, do you reckon he's going to be for next um, Gonçalves? Or do you reckon he's going to be the next? I'm trying to think of a Wolves player who's disappeared. Dennis Rosa. <laughs> Dennis Rosa. He, I think the problem is he, when he was fit and available, he just never seemed to get a look in, did he? Um, under Nuno. Now, part of that is probably because Nuno had his favourites with, within that central midfield um, anyway. But you'd have thought if he had the, the quality and the level, you don't necessarily see... I mean, Bruno hasn't really moved too far away from you know, any of Nuno's kind of favourite crop. If you see what mm. I mean, he's not. It's not like Nuno's ditched anyone that was a real fixture under Nuno. He's not brought anyone out from the cold to come and be a fixture. He kind of seems to have a similar kind of take on ability levels. And I mean, Jordan's clearly been injured the entire time that Bruno's been at the club. But you just wonder if there ever was likely to be a a place for him within the team. I think he's been unfortunate with injuries on loan, you know, and if he'd, if he'd had a full season at Famalisau or something like that, maybe then he could have kicked on a little bit from there. I've never seen one goal that he scored while he was out on loan there last season, which was unbelievable. He, he'd run around about three players, smashed it top corner, and you think, oh, we could do with a little bit of that in our midfield, but it's, it's all about the level, isn't it, as well? Hmm. Uh, I don't want to sound too sceptical, because, you know, it's never nice to see a professional footballer you know, struggle with injuries. But again, I look at it and I think it was only because it was birthday. I was like, oh, he must be turned like 21 or something. But I don't know, there's something about him now being 23 and in his career really not getting going yet, which I think is a bit of a, bit of a shame. Um, something that cropped up um, in, a, I don't know if it's quite the pre-match press conference, was around fact, uh, Bruno Lage talking about Fabio Silva and him essentially saying, I've got no plans to loan him out. And it's, you know, he obviously came on against Villa. He came on pre-Jimenez as well. Um, do you guys think that's the right thing for his career? Because obviously we can talk about um, Silver's potential uh, all day long. He scored in the, um, was it the under-23s he scored very recently? Yeah, Papa John's trophy, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, a, yeah, it was in the League Cup, um, over Football League Cup. Um, and yeah, I don't know, that, Basically, my question, I guess, on sort of go, taking a really, really long walk to is, do you think Wall should loan him out and get in a senior player so he can get, you know, second half of season 20 games under his belt? Or do you think he's going to be most beneficial being at Wolves, getting 20 minutes every week or so, but getting to train and play alongside the likes of Jimenez? I think in a perfect world, we would want to loan him out. But the problem is, especially for the amount we've paid for him, we just don't really have that much to offer up front right now. And if Jimenez or Huang gets injured, it's like, then we've got absolutely nothing if, if we loan out Fabio. And I don't know, I, I really think he needs time to develop. And, you know, I think it's a real shame that we can't put him somewhere where, you know, he'll sort of perhaps age into himself. Um, but at the same time, it's just, it's one of those things where, if Wolves are going to have this small squad, we need all hands on deck. So I think we're put into a rather difficult position where we really can't let him go. I I just think if if you're going to keep him at the club, then you give him a game. Like it's his, it's clearly Bruno's decision to make sure he's around. You know, he's he's, he's let Morgan Gibbs White go, so it's not like he, he'd be averse to 
you know, what you'd consider a first-team player going out on loan. So if he is going to keep him around, yesterday was a perfect opportunity, I think, to give him a start. I think he is our alternative to Jimenez, if that's, you know, what he's in the squad for. So if Jimenez isn't available to start, chuck him in. And I think we suffered as a result of not having someone there. You know, he's clearly not going to be the level of Jimenez, but just having that third striker keeps defences honest, keeps them a little bit more occupied and probably stops teams from from getting on top of us in the way that Villa did at times in that first half. No, I completely agree. I think the next 18 months are going to be really... Uh, and to be fair, he is still young. I mean, I've, you know, I've chastised Bruno for being 23. You know, Fabio Silva's not even 20. He's only, what, still 19, I, I think. think so, yeah. yeah, so he's still got a couple of years before, you know, we really sort of start questioning his development. But um, I think definitely time's going to tell. I think he did okay as well against yeah, Villa. Like, I, think I think he did all right. He, he, he gave us what was needed. And there was that foul that he got blew up for, and um, when he yeah. when he dashed um, Esri concert off the ball, I think didn't that, it didn't. That, touch that was, I mean, Michael Oliver's a twat anyway, any but that wasn't <laughs> that wasn't a foul in my book. But he kept no. he's giving soft free kicks all day, so he had to give that one, I suppose. But that's what kind of thing you want to see from him. Yeah, and he, he, he's. He's got a hell of a lot on his locker. You know, you look at what type of his goals he's scored and things like that. And the fact he is making an impact at this level, not a huge one, um, but actually is showing that he he deserves to be in a Premier League squad, to be fair. It's just whether he's going to get the minutes to really push on in his career. But, you know, I think the more he plays like that against Villa, the more chance, you know, you know the, the more, you know, more chances, the more goals, the more pressure he's going to put on the likes of Jimenez um, et al up front. We've had some really good um, questions coming for Twitter uh, for Twitter corner for Twitter corner um, coming. Uh, big thanks to everyone who's uh, messaged in. Um, some bits we've already covered, some bits we haven't. So um, do 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 do. Um, how much are we all looking forward to going into work? Uh, tomorrow, I'm guessing if we've got um, Villa supporting mates, um, do we got? Do you guys work? Um, yeah, with, I with recently Villa moved fans to a new, new team, and um, one of them was at the game yesterday. So Brilliant. can't wait to we'll be in first thing tomorrow morning. Brilliant. It's going to be good. It's going to be close. It always is, isn't it? I was at I was at uh, football this morning with a bunch of um, Villa fans. I, I live in Birmingham, and my Sunday league team is um, based in Stetford. And I walked in with this top on, and um, honestly. I feel I genuinely feel like they weren't passing me the ball today because we beat them yesterday. I, I, I it feels a bit pathetic to say that, and it feels a bit pathetic if that is the case. But it also made me smile to think, you know, at least we got the bragging rights this weekend. <laughs> I couldn't think of any. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to think of anything to say why that elsewhere wouldn't pass to you, but you know, I feel like that would be a fib. I'm, um, I'm really shit, Rich. So yeah, that's funny part of it. just want you. Yeah, you know, didn't want to pass it back. They, they just wanted to play <laughs> progressive football. Why are they going back to the centre half? You know, there's no, there's yeah, no exactly. point. There's no need. Um, Andy Smith asks, um, uh, when is Bolly likely to be back in? And is he the type to stick in a transfer request if he's continually left on the bench? I, I just think he's been left out because he's been injured. Now, I, I don't know what's going on there. To be fair, so it it could be a million different things, but. Um, I, I think he's 
a fantastic player, so I certainly wouldn't let him go. I I put him in as soon as he's ready, but I just don't know. I don't really know what's going on there with with his nagging. I know he's been out for ages, so I just don't know if he's quite ready yet. But yeah, I don't think we can let him go, even if he would be the one to put in a transfer request. He played two games for Ivory Coast over the international uh, international break, so therefore that should tell tell us that he's fine. So he's still our best centre half, I think, by by a distance. To be fair, so. I don't, I don't know what it is with Bruno at the moment. I feel like he's just trying to eke out as much as he can out of this kind of slightly patched up back three that we've got playing um, before he feels the need to start Bolly. And if we're winning games, it's almost giving him that weird legitimacy to not change things. But I feel like we haven't defended that well. We haven't played that well in general. So change it while you're on top rather than when you get a bad result. Yeah, I think that's my that's my thoughts uh, thought process. By you know, I think that the logical assumption at the moment is it's probably going to be Sace who drops out at this point because um, I think Kilman's out out outperforming uh, Sace. Um, but you know, you must just think you know Sace definitely brings some qualities um, to the side, and you might just think Bolly's not going to quite give them to him. And you say he might be waiting until it's. You know, the tide has truly turned, but I don't. That's not a great philosophy, is it? You know, you don't shouldn't wait until you know you've had a car crash before you start putting your seatbelt on. Yeah. Um. You know, that's probably a really awful analogy now. So you know, when you start saying to us, like, I, I understand I, exactly what you're saying, Rich. So yeah, you made yeah. the point. That's you made sense. Brilliant. Like, that's all you can aim for doing a football podcast, yeah. isn't it? Um. Right. Next one we've got is. Why the hate for Mr. Miami? What's your view on social influencers and their role in modern day football clubs? Now, you know what? I, I like the guy. I think it's interesting. It's something different. Um, do I necessarily need a tour of Birmingham living 20 miles down the road? No. But it, you know what? It's harmless and it's something different. Um, you know, the fact he says what's popping which is what Rowan Ricketts used to say, who used to play for Wolves. It all loops back, guys. Um, you know, I, I just I just see it as sort of a bit of fresh and interesting marketing content. But yeah. that, that's just me. It's not it's not for us, though, is it, as well? I think that's the way yeah. you've got to look at it. You know, like you say, you don't need a tour around Birmingham, but somebody who is interested in Wolves, who might want to have a look at, you know, an away day, potential away day, Somewhere else, yeah, it might be yeah, a bit of a very good point. And, and you know, like ultimately, it was only ever going to be a problem until he started turning up at games, isn't it? So, it's, it's I think, uh, I think the whole thing about how tough it was to get tickets to Villa already made things complicated. And we all know <laughs> the event. To be fair, um, Blake, I thought, uh, from what I heard, they're actually singing at you, not him. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So hey, fair enough, fair enough. Now. he's taking all the flack. <laughs> yeah, but no, I mean, I'm not really, I don't really care about influencers. I'm not on TikTok. That, none of that stuff's for me. So as you've rightly pointed out, it's not really for us. But uh, personally, I just wish it was a little less produced. You know, I feel like it's very inauthentic. But, you know, if it, if it, if people like it and it works for people, then what more can you say? Yeah, I think it, I, 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 I'm, you know, I, I messaged um, the guy who 
um, posted this question, um, Mikey, I think it was, um, saying like we could do like a proper deep dive into this if, if we wanted to. But I think you've hit the nail on the head for, hey, look, I don't need a tour of Birmingham and how to get there and things like that. You say it's, it, 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 it is quite produced. But actually, one of the things I'm most proud about doing the fan cast is the number of overseas and particularly American followers we've got. I'm just going to name yeah. drop the likes of Todd and Steve um, to, to name, but uh, to name, but a couple. Um, but actually, if they're coming over for a weekend, which you know they might come once a season, you know they usually try and time it for a home game. But why not time it for a game in in London? Because you know they might and do a couple of nights there, and yeah. you know they might want a tour around Chelsea. Um, I mean, and you know, and you say it's it, it's something else, and you know. I watch a lot of American football and obviously um, the NFL's over in London um, last week, this week. Um, so obviously, you know, you've got this merger of, you know, different sporting cultures, you know, like seeing, you know, Mr. Miami having KFC in, in the ground. It's like, I, I find it jarring, but there are people who bring sweets from, you know, co-op <laughs> into the cinema. And I find that jarring as well. So I think sometimes you've just got to accept that, you know what, there are norms but actually it doesn't necessarily have to be and just just let it go and you don't just, have to be so angry. Just to cover all, the time. all bases, Rich. Just to cover all bases. I'm incredibly angry with him because he basically had my ticket to the game. So Oh right. right. There you go. Yeah. Well, that, that's what, should, go, that's what we should all be really angry about because yeah. that ticket had our name on it. And I tell you what, guys, if only we knew how many tickets the club actually gave away, because you know. I'd like to thank our proud, proud partners for this week. And here's, here's a quick, here's a question to the Molly, the Wolves uh, populace: How many tickets actually had your own name on it that you you've been on? So Ooh. I'll leave that hanging in the air. Well, so long as they didn't leave after the 80th minute, then you know <laughs> yeah. what? Uh, I was going to say, I, I say, uh, I was going to say, not even rumor. Uh, we, we, we're 70 minutes into this now, so if you're still if you're still hanging in there, guys, I did. We did hear a. Um, a pockful tailor son who did manage to um, get a ticket very late doors off a friend of a friend of a friend who decided to storm out when Wolves were 2-0 down and missed all three goals. And that feels like a bit of justice to me. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll move on from Mr. We'll, we'll move on from Mr. Miami, but you know, you don't have to be so angry all the time, guys. Um, do do, do um, D, uh, Dean Marston, who's got the most bruised shins? Um, Blake, did you go flying um, when the goals went in? Um, yeah, I kind of did, to be fair. I mean, I couldn't believe it. And Stu did as well, which is the really funny thing, because he's normally pretty subdued when Wolves score, and he was going absolutely mad when we when we scored the winner. Um, but yeah, I mean, where I was, it was just, it was limbs everywhere. And yeah, it was, I mean, if you've been in an away end for a 90th minute winner, you, you know what it's like? It's just, it's absolute bedlam, and there's nothing in the world quite like it. I, I, I've seen we've seen the videos, haven't we? It felt it felt like a total stampede down to the front row when all the players came sliding over, didn't it? And oh man, just mayhem, just total mayhem. And that was the moments you kind of live for, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Uh, last two questions. One from um, Alex uh, Patakas. Um, Apologies for the pronunciation. What will it take for Eight Nori to get a game ahead of Marcel? Um, I mean, we <laughs> it's a difficult one. 
Um, well, actually, no, it's not. I think he should be starting. But there's something eight noise. No, I, I don't not think it's even necessarily about whether we should be starting ahead of him. It's he's a game changer substitution for me. Marcel mm. is not going to offer you an attacking threat down that side. It, it just doesn't exist. So if you need something to someone who's going to go out and take people on and put crosses in from that left hand side, he sat there on the bench. Now he went and put Traore left wing back, didn't he? After he made the substitutions yeah. um, yesterday. But I was just like, I don't know what he's seeing with Marcel. I think Marcel is going to have to, I don't know, shag Bruno's wife or something to actually get dropped. But I can understand the reason he plays. But if we're chasing a game, he offers us zero. Hmm. Yeah, it. I don't know. I mean, we'll see. I think the fact that he's a recent acquisition is probably the only thing he has going for him. You know, I think we probably want to just see if he can do anything for a couple games before we decide, okay, this isn't working, but yeah, it's, it's not pretty. <laughs> yeah. Uh, last question from Colin beer. Um, is Podent's performance a sign of things to come from him? Also, uh, Fabio Silva gets sexier by the day. Not a question, just an observation. Um, I mean, we'll, we'll kind of talk, we've talked a bit about Podent's. Um, I think my, my big thing from him I just need 10 games in a row from him. Yeah. And that's not even to say he should play well 10 games in a row, but he just needs to be able to start 10 games in a row. And I can't even remember seeing how many games he's actually finished in a wolf shirt. You know, he's played 90 minutes. Um, I don't, he might I don't finish like, him. I don't do you know what I mean? He's usually, he's usually someone who gets, usually someone who gets subbed off as well. Yeah. Um, I think he's, he's, he's started the season pretty well, especially in the Carabao Cup, um, mm. where he's, he scored a couple of goals. Then he had that game at Southampton where he basically did nothing. Um, and that probably killed him a little bit in terms of maybe getting a start in the next game. Um, but we saw again yesterday, he's just that little bit of a different option that you know you need you need something else sometimes. And he's probably our most creative player in the final third, you know, not necessarily from deep areas, but once he gets in and around the box, he's tricky and nobody you know can really handle his uh, Incredibly low center of gravity. Yeah, fingers crossed. I mean, I, I, I'm still firmly of the belief that if we if we go for a three-five-two, he needs to be one of the ones in the middle. And you know, you sacrifice. You don't play Dendonk. You don't, or you don't play Never slash Moutinho there. And he should be one. You know, play very much a one behind the two rather than you know the, the current system, but. Yeah, f- fingers crossed. I really do hope he pushes on because he's he struggled with injuries. He struggles, uh, say, with fitness to a degree. Um, but you know, he, he's a fun w- when he's on for me. He's a f- phenomenally fun player to watch, and that's sort of what it's all about for me. You know. Yeah, I mean, he just he just causes carnage a lot, like in Traore, in many ways. And yeah, he's just that kind of player that can generate things. Yeah. It is also just fun watching a man that small make quite, you know, hulking big athletes look really stupid. Yeah. And also quite like, uh, say he, he is diminutive, but he's also got a bit of, you know, he's got a bit of bite about him. Like, yeah. you know, you, I could have quite easily seen him trying squaring up to Tyro Mings. And it well, not... up, to his, up to his ball bag. <laughs> yeah. Just like, uh, you know, say, so he'd have been, um, you know, belly button height. But he's still, he's still tried to have pushed him. Um, but that's probably a good point to leave. 
the day. Big thank you to our sponsors, PixelYetiMedia.com. For any of your marketing needs, go check them out at PixelYetiMedia.com. There we go. Make sure you're up to date with all things Wolves and Wolves Fancast at Wolves Fancast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We're not on TikTok, um, unlike Mr. Miami, because I'm too scared to do dances. Um, but we'll be back to preview the next game. Um, I think we'll be out on, is it Thursday, Gully? Uh, TBC, but it's against Leeds. I know that. It'd be end of the week, but yeah, hopefully um, a good win against another um, team who have got delusions of grandeur. So <laughs> that'll, that'll, that'll be all good fun. That'll be all good fun. But until next time, it's goodbye from Gully. Cheers all. It's goodbye from Blake. See you, everybody. And it's goodbye from me. See you next time.